2: All right, folks, welcome back to the last Mount West Wire football podcast. Week, uh, what do we have here, Matt? Week seven? Is that what that we're doing? That is correct. Halfway point? Sort of? More, more or less, yeah. Are we doing a midway stuff as well, or are we just going to do the preview? Because we did not discuss this before at all, just so people know.
0: <laughs> no, nah, let's uh, let's go ahead and just stick with the games. And we'll, we'll encourage people to visit the website, mwy.com, uh-huh. and maybe follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well.
2: So we'll have some midseason uh, observations that we voted on and did stuff. So, did you really quickly, before we get to everything? Did you see one person reply? We put a uh, the poll out there for everybody. They're upset about no Aztec defenders on the pre on the midseason list for Player of the Year.
0: I mean, I guess that's fair, but honestly, like that. I mean, it's been such a team effort for the Aztecs, yeah. which you know we'll talk more about that in a minute because you know they happen to be the, the first game we'll be talking about this week.
2: Well, let's get to it. Yeah, I just, they put all, because we have other sections they put all caps, where's the San Diego State players? They're undefeated. And they are. They are 6-0, and Friday night. So get to this podcast quickly, because we are about half a day later than normal, I guess. But they're going on the road to face San Jose State. It is on, obviously, CBS Sports Network, Matt, just because it is, 730 Pacific. They are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite with a... uh do you see that over under there? 41 points. <laughs> that does not surprise me. It's <laughs> going to be a 20 to 10 victory. Something like that. 30 to 20. Can they get to 30 points? San Diego state. In this they, get,
0: they got, they got to 30 points last week. against gets New Mexico.
2: Okay. And I think San, San Jose state might be a little bit better than New Mexico. So we'll see. Right.
0: I mean, that, that's sort of a big if though, isn't it? At this point. <laughs>
2: I'd still take... We'll get to the Mexicans playing basically half a true freshman lineup out there on defense, I believe. But I'd still give the edge to the Spartans over the... Over the uh, not Aztecs, but the uh, Lobos. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I think it... I mean, you're also ignoring the fact that the Aztecs are averaging 35 points a game to this point.
2: I know, it's half kidding. But the over-under... But maybe I'm not, because over-under, that seems quite low. That's was my thing. It's like it's not enough points, because... not. Not that we're saying San Jose State could score, but it's that Aztecs are good enough at points to, like you said, get at least thirty points of their own. Mm-hmm. And you figure San Jose State could stumble into two touchdowns. You think maybe, maybe is that too generous? <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I, I mean, it really depends on how much headway they could make against, like, let's let's not beat around the bush, any elite Aztecs defense. You know, it, and it doesn't really matter like what numbers you look at. Like I could throw a, num- a lot of different numbers out there, but you know, going back to what you mentioned a minute ago about how, um, you know, what like where are the Aztecs defenders as far as like mid-season performers of the year? Um, and honestly, like it's it's not really one guy that has that has put forth the effort. Like it's been just a, it's been a, a total team effort from from top to bottom. You know, like for example, I think. You know, Caden McDonald and, and Garrett Fountain both lead the team with three sacks, but you know they've got yeah. you know six or seven guys who have at least a sack and a half, for instance. And it seems to go. be that there's like a like a different kind of standout guy every single week. You know, last week it was Julio Lucky, uh, a couple of weeks ago like it was Fountain, and, and and all the while, you know, the guys that we expected to make plays like Caden McDonald, like Cam Thomas, are, are going out there and and putting up you know, another all conference caliber type of performance. And so, you know, you look at what they've done to this point and, you know, you're talking about a team that is, you know, in the top 10 nationally in terms of like line yards per carry, number one, in terms of overall stuff rate on defense, 30% of the time that a, that an opponent runs the football, against these Aztecs, um, they're either getting stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. Mm. That's pretty good. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's pretty good.
0: And again, and again, it doesn't necessarily like fall on one guy. It has literally been just like, like the, the most intense group effort that we've seen out of this Aztecs team maybe ever, which is really saying something, you know, you go look at the splits on as far as like offensive and defensive SP plus, for instance. And I, I can't remember if we put it out there this past week or the week before, but they're like a top 10 or not, no, not top 10, top five mm-hmm. defense by that measure. And it doesn't matter whether you want to slice it by like yards per play allowed, which by the way, outside of garbage time, they're third. If you want to slice it by available yards percentage allowed, they're second. If you want to slice it by points allowed per drive, they're second. Like
2: also, do you want to know how good they are at rush defense continuing that? They're oh yeah. The only team only team to not give up a rushing touchdown while you're in the country, which and is amazing. And Wisconsin's the only team better than them at yards per play allowed. 1.89 to 1.66, and they're number two. Nobody's moving the ball against this defense. Obviously.
0: No, but honestly, I think if there's going to be a way for San Jose State to hang around in this game, I think they're going to have to do it by running the football. <laughs> Tyler Evans to the rescue? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think they've got to lean on him really hard because, you know, it's the, you know, the offensive line, as far as like its pass protection, has taken a, a huge step back as a unit from where they were last year. You know, they're yeah. like below average now and below the national average in terms of sack rate allowed. And, and even though they haven't necessarily performed all that well in like short yardage situations where they're in the triple digits in terms of power success rate. And we just talked about stuff rate a second ago for the, Spart- for the, for the Aztecs defense, uh, for the Spartans offense, they're also in the triple digits. Um, but, you know, they're sort of below average when it comes to running the football rather than abysmal, But I think they have to make the effort just to try. keep the Aztecs from from keying on Nick Nash, and I think it's really going to come down to sort of, you know, Nash not only Nash's ability to extend plays when they when they do drop back to throw the football, but I think that combination of of Nash and, and Nevin's together in the backfield, you know, how however effective that ends up being is probably going to be the thing that leads the way in in any upset bid that San Jose State wants to launch.
2: Yeah, but there again, you know, Nash, again, a big to, if. Yeah, yeah, his running ability is different, so that may help them here and there mm-hmm. with whether maybe like run option or design draws or bootlegs or moving the pockets. That might be a little bit, but nah, it's going to be tough. Also, I find it presumptuous in the San Diego Union Tribune. They say in like there are five things to watch, one of the first things, not even to watch, but just kind of a little note, mm-hmm. they're battling to be in the top 20 if they win. Aztecs aren't going to be in the top 20 if they win. I just happened to peruse, like, what other top 45 teams are playing each other, like, near the bottom? Like, there's nobody. So they're pretty – I don't understand that presumption that if they win, they'll be a top 20 team.
0: Well, the way things have been been going recently, if some teams lose ahead of them, you know, they could be a top 20 team.
2: You're telling me LSU's going to beat Florida? No. Missouri beat Texas A&M? No. Tell me uh, well, Baylor, BYU, maybe BYU 16. I just, wait, 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 just are,
0: kind we, of a... are we in the are we are we in the position where we have to root for Baylor or BYU now?
2: Well BYU's BYU is number nineteen. Mm. Bay, Baylor's not ranked.
0: Okay, okay. So that makes that makes it pretty clear cut then.
2: But but then again, Baylor jumps, they win, they'll jump ahead to San Diego State, probably.
0: Yeah, I think I think I was maybe asking a little too much there for Mountain West fans to root for BYU for a week.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. I just it's just funny. I'm like, hey, they'll be fighting for top twenty. I'm like, yeah, because like if Utah beats Arizona State, Utah might. Well, they shouldn't be ahead of San Diego State, but they might be mm-hmm. nipping at their heels at four and two. I just find those things funny. Like, let's give out super uh, duper optimism for beating a three and three San Jose State team. That's probably not going to be competitive in this matchup. It might score ten points, but I gave away my ending right there. But that's kind of what I think it's going to be. They're not going to score enough points. I mean, I think if I think if,
0: I think if there's any other chance for the Spartans to hang around in this game like they've got to win on early downs, especially because, you know, for all the, for all the things that the Aztecs do well, and they do a lot of things well on both sides of the football. One thing that sort of languishes is the fact that, you know, if you want to look at like success rate on third and fourth down on offense, they're 114th nationally, you know, they have a a success rate of about 32.5%. And if you just want to look at third down conversions is a more kind of straightforward way of looking at that. You know, neither of these teams have really stood out through, through, through five or six games. You know, they're both, you know, the Spartans on offense are right around 37%. Aztecs are right at 35%. So I think, you know, it's going to be really incumbent on, on San Jose state's defensive front, because like, you know, what's coming with the Aztecs, like they're going to run and they're going to run and maybe they'll, they'll, they'll go play action every once in a while, but they're going to lean on Greg Bell. They're going to lean on Jordan bird and everybody else in that backfield. But if they can win on first and second down and and sort of make it a possession game and and try not to lose the field position game too badly, which, you know, that is something else that maybe we haven't talked enough about with the Aztecs. Um, Their average starting field position on defense is number one in the country. Um,
2: Well, shocker defense doing well, doing good things to help them out.
0: (laughs) So, so even if, even if the Spartans, are unable to string together a lot of scoring drives, even just finding ways to tilt the field. So that way, you know, the, that may matterize and company aren't necessarily just kind of, you know, pushing them back into the shadow of their own end zone. Like again, easier said than done, but I think that's, that's how you survive against this Aztecs team. It's just that, you know, the trick is that nobody's really been able to do that yet.
2: Yeah, that's – the, the, how are they are going to beat Houdini? And figure it's a, out? It's a, it's a big do. ask, yeah. <laughs> One thing that we should note, not to bounce around, but going through – did you know who the quarterback was last year who beat San Diego State? It was Nick Nash. Nick Nash came out of – they knocked out Nick Starkle. Nick Nash came in, to a couple touchdowns, ran the ball well. So it's kind of a revenge game as well because they want to beat San Diego State after what happened last year. Definitely. And Nash came in and was 1625, 169 yards Uh 50 something yards, a couple touchdowns. So, yeah, th- that's how the Bolts mentioned there, the rushing attack because Tyler Evans did well, did reasonably well last year. He's doing well now. So, that's why there's a thing. So, it's a, uh, I don't know if they cracked the defense also. We even mentioned punter, man, freaking mid season All American for San Diego State, helping out that uh, starting field position you mentioned. That's true. So, if we go to the other side of the ball, kind of the Aztecs on offense. Okay. Can the Spartans uh, stop Greg Bell, maybe? <laughs> because he's a uh, pretty good last time I've heard. And and we've mentioned about the Spartans defense, like Cade Hall and these type of guys are playing okay, but they're not elite like last. Like, remember, Kate Hall is our preseason defensive player of the year. I think he's a top 10, or maybe top five, or top 50 countdown. And he's just been okay. It's not like the Aztec defense where there's six guys with a couple sacks. Mm-hmm. He has, I think, two couple sacks, a couple TFLs, that's it. So defense has taken a big step back as well. And it'll be a...
0: I mean, yes. And I mean, it's really hard to say just because, you know, defense hasn't really been the problem. It's just that the offense has been so dysfunctional it's has put the defense in a lot of really bad situations. Like if you just want to look in terms of like yards per carry allowed, for example, the Spartans are only allowing 3.8 yards per carry so far, which is, you know, I want to say like right around the middle of the pack in the Mountain West. Oddly enough it seems like a lot of Mountain West teams are doing really well defending the run. And I think that also bears out by a lot of the more advanced metrics too here and there, but you know, they're cuz they're they're middle of the pack in terms of stop rate on defense, you know, they've done surprisingly well in those power success rate situations. You know, they they have a 60% stop rate, which is in the top 30 nationally. So, I want to say maybe but I think it's, it's, it's really going to depend on how much havoc they can create and how many obvious passing situations they can put Jordan Brookshire into. Because while the Aztecs aren't necessarily a team that's like, you know, they aren't going to make the killer mistake and turn the ball over or anything like that. But, you know, if they can get him into third and 10 and just force them to punt, then I think that every time that the Spartans can do that, it'll be a huge win. But again, another that's just another big if on that side of the ball.
2: So like what? What do those Spartans do better? I don't know. Is there anything they do better than San Diego State? Uh,
0: honestly, I mean, I mean, Nash has had his moments throwing the football, There's your answer. <laughs> which which you which you could say, which you couldn't really say with Nick Starkle, okay. you know, because he was very up and down in the, in the first few weeks of the season. So, I mean, it, I think if he comes out and plays, sort of like the not necessarily the flashiest game out there, because you know his if you look back at his stat line against the same Aztecs defense last year. It wasn't like he went out and threw for 300 yards, something like that. But, you know, he gave that defense fits just by being able to extend plays, find the open guy. And, you know, if the Spartans can find, you know, secondary options other than, you know, Derek Deese and Isaiah Hamilton, then, you know, maybe they have a chance. But I think it's going to be one of those situations where, you know, you're asking them to do something they haven't necessarily done consistently.
2: So what does like the events number say? Because it's a reasonably close line. Like nine and a half points, is I thought it might be a touch more.
0: So uh, so uh, FEI, so Brian Fremo over at uh, bcftoys.com, likes the Aztecs by 10.9. Uh, Bill Connolly and his SP plus metric also like the Aztecs by exactly nine points, which is a uh, 70% win probability. And uh, Parker Fleming, who, you know, if you don't follow him on Twitter at Stats o war, you know, he's got some advanced profiles, which are really neat to look at. Uh, he gives the Aztecs a 96% win probability in this game with oh a, uh, a final projected forecast to score of uh, about 27 to 14.
2: Hmm. What do you say?
0: I mean, I think it's going uh, to be a pretty convincing Aztecs win, to be honest. I've got them winning 31 to 14.
2: 31 to 14. Um, I hmm. it's gonna be a victory for Jose. It just depends how much. Um, I'm gonna get what did you say? 31, 14? I 31
0: 14. I said
2: 31-14, yeah. Okay, that's a pretty good score there. Um, I wonder if they'll just kind of bludgeon them to death and win like and win 30 to 10.
0: <laughs> so so it'll look a lot like last week then.
2: Essentially, yeah. Something like okay. that. Where, oh, we get a good lead. There's no reason to keep it going. Just run great bell, run whoever else you want to the backfield, just kind of let it go and see if a uh, Jordan Brookshire has a better game or something and kind of gets fully back there gets a team that will be a better challenge than last week, but still, it'll be a decent challenge, but not enough, obviously. <clears throat> All right. Are you ready for a Saturday? Yes, I am. How, is there baseball going on? Is there something called the Major League Baseball playoffs going off tomorrow afternoon, Saturday afternoon? Yeah, f-
0: full disclosure, we're recording this on October 14th. It is currently going to the top of the eighth in uh, game <laughs> five of the National League Division Series between the Dodgers and my beloved San Francisco Giants. I would really like to be in San Francisco on Saturday.
2: <laughs> okay. Are you doing okay with the game as it is at the moment?
0: Um, I, I I, wish I brought a paper bag in into the room with me to record. I think that would have oh. been pretty distracting for the listeners, though, to be honest. <laughs>
2: Do you do you at least have a pause to record or watch after in a few minutes? Oh no, right I've got it, here? I've
0: got it on my phone right next to my laptop. I'm watching it <laughs> okay, as we as we wondering. talk.
2: Okay. It's one to one at the moment, so that's why it's yes, so yes. um, the reason I mentioned that because game the Wyoming Fraser No State game, which is a pretty big game, is on FS2. Yes. <laughs> um yeah. So it's a uh, afternoon game. So it's a 130 local kick in Wyoming, not Laramie. Weather's gonna be not too bad 50s. Even though the West is freaking freezing this weekend, apparently, this week
0: That's warming up here. Fresno,
2: I, it, it, same here, but it's been a much colder the past couple of days than it usually is this time, yeah. Yeah, uh, what I say? yeah, it's a three and a half point favorite for Fresno State over under 53 and a half. I talked with um, shoot, I should not know this guy's name. I did a podcast for the guy from the truck, Josh Long Criswell. B- yes, sorry, I apologize for not recalling her name, <laughs> Josh. We talked earlier, <laughs> we talked about this game. And the big thing I had about it, I think the main key or kind of the big matchup to watch is it's clearly everybody knows what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to say, but can the Fresno State passing the game get through this defense to Wyoming or can Wyoming stop Jake Hayner and Jalen Copper and Ty Jones and everybody else who catches the ball? That's what I kind of think will come, will be one of the bigger things to watch, which is clearly just offense versus defense for these two teams, how they play. And that's no. not a big secret <laughs> to anybody.
0: Okay. So you say, you say that,
2: i think I'm, so yeah
0: why not i'm really interested in in almost the opposite i want to see I, you know what i really want to see i want to see ronnie rivers go off because
2: me, me too that's another thing we because sense.
0: because been, you know yeah. we met because we mentioned parker fleming a, a minute ago as far as his advanced stat profiles and, and earlier this uh, week he put out a graphic i don't know if you saw it or not of,
2: I, I did i know where you're going it's not too not too high in ronnie rivers there
0: yeah, so so in a nutshell if you didn't see it on your Twitter timeline, you know, he put out a graphic that was basically a, a ranking of the expected points added for every lead running back in the FBS. And Ronnie Rivers ranked, I want to say 126th out of 130. And you know, you might think to yourself, okay, well that's weird because he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry, which is you know, that's that's not bad. I mean, it's not great, it's not where he's been in years past, but it's not bad. But then, like, when you dig deeper into the numbers, it's like as as far as what he's actually accomplished this year, you see that he's been a lot more boomer bust than he's been in years past. And I'm, I'm trying to pull up my preview as we speak. But basically, in a nutshell, he has 420 rushing yards on the season, 200 of those have come on 11 carries. And so for those of you who aren't math majors, that means he has 81 other mm-hmm. rushing attempts and he's averaging 2.7 yards per carry. And but so they
2: all count. Come on. What's the big they count? All, they all I
0: count. mean they, they all, all count. count, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. When, you, when half when half of your rushing yards are coming on like 10% of your carries, that's a problem.
2: And it is, yes.
0: And so you know, you look at the fact that like they're 108th at the opportunity rate. So he's not getting to the second level at the same rate that he was before. Um, you know, they're 81st and stuff rate. So like the offensive line isn't always getting a lot of push. And, you know, a lot of that has been obscured by the fact that Jake Hayner has been so good. But then you look at what Wyoming does on defense. And I talked about it last week as far as, you know, the fact that in terms of like, you know, EPA uh, allowed per rush on the, for the Cowboys defense, they're 107th nationally. On offense, Fresno State is 123rd by that same metric. But I look at that and I say, is Fresno State going to find a way to press that, you know, press that potential advantage at least a little bit and take some of the pressure off of Jake Hayner? Because if they can't, then you know exactly what's going to happen. Like that defensive line is going to get after Hayner. They're going to hit him a lot. And you know, you might run into a situation where this week's game looks a lot like the game a couple weeks ago against Hawaii, where you know, he's, you know, limited mobility you know mistakes that he that I was I would imagine he wouldn't otherwise make if he were full at, at full strength or if he is able to remain at full strength. And so to me that's really the key in this game it's like yeah we know what Heiner's going to do um you know we know what Jalen Cropper and the rest of that receiving unit is is capable of but I think they they're going to have to find a little bit of balance at some point. You know, if they get a lead, they've got to yeah. prove they can salt the game away. Or if they, if they're like you know second and four and they just want to move the chains, you know, can can Ronnie Rivers do that? You know, it's those those little situations where, you know, you you don't want to yeah like you want to try to take at least a thing or two off of Hayner's plate, you know, to keep him from doing everything. I guess is what I'm saying.
2: I just want Arizona State, Las Vegas pull Ronnie Rivers back. Is that too much to ask for? <laughs> can we get that guy back? I mean, that be
0: not, I'm not going to complain if that guy shows up no. on Saturday.
2: That's the one thing we mentioned too, because Rivers has been just okay. Like all those rushing yards, like I joke, they all count. But you don't want to be extremely boom or bust. Where he's not even like looking at like yards, like yards per game. He's not even sitting here, and he's barely top ten. He's only getting seventy yards a game. Yeah, and the reason and the touchdowns, yeah, yeah,
0: That's and good. and the and the reason I think that that it's especially important is because you know Wyoming does a lot of things well, and you know they held their Force in check for the most part last week, but on the season, you know, there's their overall, it's sort of strange. And so it, it makes you wonder whether the statistics are lying to you a little bit, because on the one hand, they have a sack rate as a team that is in the top 20 nationally, you know, 9.3%. So like they've proven they can get after quarterbacks. Um, but in terms of stuff rate, they're 110th. So when it comes to getting in the backfield on run plays, they've been a little, a, a little less productive, I guess you would say. And they're really only middle of the pack in terms of like line yards allowed per carry, and so that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not looking for like five yards of carry. I'm just looking for like a little bit more than what we've been getting out of Rivers and the rest of that running game to this point.
2: And they might get it because Wyoming's well, giving up ten touchdowns this year, which is only better than New Mexico in the conference.
0: Maybe, yeah,
2: and yeah, and so that's why you wonder a lot at the stats are, what they are or not because some of, I got maybe some of that was that NIU game. But four yards of carries, not great. It's in the bottom of the conference. So typically, we think, oh, well, I mean, rush defense or defense overall is really good. And the Northern Illinois game was the big skew game with the five touchdowns allowed. Mm-hmm. And so if you take – I know they all count, but if you kind of take that game away, they've been really good. – they've been probably just under under four yards because they're like 403 Montana State, two under – 288, 393, three, three, It's probably like 37 mm-hmm. and five touchdowns, which is – much better you know what i mean yeah so i think it could be just the one game where just anomaly where it was 80 what 93 points that game 50 to 43 the rest were tw- like northern illinois rushed better than air force against them mm-hmm. like 30 more yards on like half the carries and so they were are six, 6.4 yards per carry so this i think it's an anomaly so it's like you said the numbers are skewed a bit where even if they were 10 percent better against niu that's still not great but they'd still be minim- the numbers just kind of shoot up, so they're still good, they've been better, but stopping Air Force is different than stopping the other team and slowing them down is really good. Mm-hmm. So rush defense not great overall, but when you pick and choose or kind of looking at trends or recent stuff and who they played, they've been doing much better. Like they have like Chad, what's his name? Chad Moon would be like defensive player of the year, possibly a couple of pick sixes He's what three touchdowns as linebacker for Wyoming. Like they have guys who make plays. Mm-hmm. And if Fresno State, you're right, they need Rivers to do something because it's kind of what we mentioned last game. Like if, um, well, maybe not exactly, but you need to keep a balance essentially. Like, yeah, stated. yeah. So I want Rivers to come back and be his thing. But for a while, I mean, let's look at them. Like Xavier Valade will run reasonably well, you'd think. But Sean Chambers, we need him to be like, I, I, I thought I, quite, I thought of this term. I didn't think about it while I was doing my podcast earlier, but like a service academy extra type team. Where they kind of throw a little bit more than those teams, but not quite a typical passing team. Mm-hmm. And so, like Chambers, like, if he goes like ten of sixteen, that's fine. Or but you don't want him throwing for twenty plus times. Or do it to go like nine of eighteen or nine of whatever nine of twenty. If he's throwing like eighteen times, they're not winning this game. I think they need to keep his pass attempts like maybe to fifteen or something.
0: Yeah, and you know to that point, like if I'm the Cowboys, I try and press my advantage against this this Bulldogs defensive front because. you know again on the year they're averaging you know 3.5 yards per carry allowed but you know over the last few weeks they they maybe some cracks have started to show a little bit you know against ucla they gave up four yards of carry which is you know that's not bad you know 4.2 against uh, unlv then last week you know a couple or a couple weeks going swipe 5.2 yards per carry Mm -hmm. and so i look at that if i'm a wyoming fan or if i'm a wyoming coach maybe more importantly and i think okay, maybe we've got something there that we can, that we can lean on, you know, because in terms of like expected points added, you know, they're, they're a top 10 team when it comes to running the football. So like they run the change, they're successful on third and fourth downs, you know, they're top 10 in terms of third and fourth down overall success rate as well. So I think if, if I'm Wyoming, I'm not looking at a game plan that's necessarily flashy because I think that I can beat Fresno state up front, which, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. And maybe that seems like a tall ask because, you know, you're talking about a Bulldogs defense that is still like right outside the top 30 in, in, in terms of both line yards per carry and stuff. rate And so like all those same metrics I just talked about a minute ago, like the Bulldogs are well above average, but I don't know that they've been pushed in the same way that Wyoming could push them if they wanted to.
2: Maybe. And so,
0: so I guess what I'm wondering is, like, you know, how real are those statistics? Because if if Hawaii is able to do it, why can't Wyoming do it?
2: It's a good point. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I, what I want to see, like, if this will be, again, like going back, to like offense defense. If it's like a shootout, I know Wyoming put up 50 points. Their offense is a bit better. They have two games of 45 or more points. Mm-hmm. But but they also only scored 20, 24 versus UConn, only 14 last week versus Air Force. Like if, if it's a game where I think it might be, if Fresno gets to 30, whoever gets to 30 points, more, I'd lean more Fresno. That's probably how the game's going to play in their favor. Because Fresno clearly can move the ball better. They'll be able to score more points. That That's what their offense is. Well, I mean, out of necessity, needed to be NIU with scoring 50 points. Because they had that big lead, and then they kind of had to, well, maybe not necessity, they're up big, they had to hold them off, I guess, but I wouldn't trust Wyoming if this gets into kind of a shootout type of type of game where it's 30, 35 points, 40 points, no way.
0: See, I think the key for Wyoming is, you know, they've they've proven that they can be opportunistic. Like they have six interceptions in five games, which is good. However, they only, but but they only have 14 pass breakups in six, in five games, which is less good. And so I think, you know, the, the talent is evident in that secondary, like CJ colden is, is still playing like one of the better cornerbacks in, in the mountain West as easy. Hearn hasn't been a slouch either. And so I think, you know, you know, those matchups are going to be you know just fun to watch on a play-by-play basis, you know, you know, Cropper and, and Josh Kelly against that, that duo, I would imagine are going to see the lion's share of, of snaps against those two guys. And so I think, you know, I think you might be underrating Wyoming's defense just a little bit because, you know, maybe it, because if they can force Fresno State into mistakes, you know, that is something that the Bulldogs have proven they can be. It's like, you know, they last they, week f- 15 giveaways in six games. Is That's all they I'm went saying. Four.
2: Yeah, they're four versus Hawaii.
0: Yeah, they had six against Hawaii.
2: Oh, six. Well, I know Cortez Davis one pick was amazing and one was a tip off of Ty Jones, but still, that's still four if those don't go their way. <laughs> And they still, here's the thing, there's six turnovers and they still were basically a play 20 yards away from winning the game. Mm-hmm. So they can have some mistakes, but not that many mistakes, clearly. <laughs> um, so what is the it events number say? it should be a reasonably close game. That's kind of I'm um, leaning toward.
0: Okay, so uh, FBI, believe it or not, favors Wyoming by 3.5 points. Uh, SP plus, however, favors Fresno state by 5.3, which is a 62% win probability. Um, Parker Fleming, with the advanced stats preview, uh, has a 73% win probability for Fresno state with a projected score of roughly 35 to 27. So what's your number then? I don't think, I don't think the Cowboys are going to make it easy. Mm
1: Mm-mm.
0: But I think that President State is going to go into Laramie. I think they're going to pull it out. So I have the Bulldogs winning 34 to 24.
1: Oh,
2: 10 points. Um, I think I'm gonna go 31, 27.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the Keep. kind of I think it's the kind of game where it's like a one score game and you know, halfway into the fourth quarter. And then so and then President State scores a touchdown that makes that final score look
2: a little deceptive. Yeah, something like that. Or somebody kicks a field goal, not touchdown yeah, yeah. on the drives. Something like that. So it'll be a good one. So next game. 5 p.m. Mountain Time at Albuquerque. Uh, Colorado State is a – I never thought I'd say this this year. Rams are a 10.5-point road favorite. That is wild. That's a lot of points. Hmm. Did you also see Terry Wilson may not play this game?
0: I saw that he was possibly a game-time decision. Yeah, and and, and yeah. considering they have an or listed in next to four names on the depth chart. <laughs> uh, oh, Terry man. Wilson or CJ Montez or Isaiah Chavez or Trey Hall. Um, I, I guess we'll see. <laughs> I guess they're, I guess it's they're not keeping Wilson, it close who, to the
2: vest. Would you put Trey Hall in there if it's not Wilson?
0: I mean, Trey Hall see, was, a, was a wide receiver two weeks ago. I don't, I don't know understand. that you would necessarily it's want South to field. turn back. <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't. I have no idea what you would do because you know Hall obviously has the most experience. Yeah. But you know, I mean, honestly, given his his history under center, like that doesn't really amount to much. You know, Isaiah Chavez had <laughs> had, the, had the had the very successful audition at the end of last year with all the COVID weirdness going on, but you know he was working his way back from injury. He hasn't played at all this year. Um, and then C.J. Montez only has you know one one attempt and one rush. So. Um I honestly Rams have no idea. 30. Yeah, I, I mean <laughs>
2: like <by> <laughs> yeah, I mean if
0: I'm a if I'm a Rams fan, I'm a Rams defender in particular, I'm like licking my chops thinking about this because you know, we already knew that New Mexico State's offense or, or New Mexico's offense was sort of a mess. Um, but I mean you you take away their primary operator under center, and you know, now all of a sudden maybe you're looking back at the dark ages of of what it looks like pre pre Gonzalez for a week.
2: No oh, man, that's not going to be good. Um, so also as looking at the sweets like that, what, what, whatever was from the practice, was it seven true freshmen starting into the secondary or like the uh, back of the defense?
0: They're making oh some gosh. changes, yeah, and and it seems like it's on both sides of the ball too. So like we you know we talked about the offensive line and their struggles. Um, it seems yeah. like potentially you know we we might be seeing a lot more of some of some new faces. For instance, um, you know Shanko Mautatia. Uh, uh, you know, right at right guard, um, yeah. you know, lucky Asanuga is with an, or listed with Austin cook at left guard. Um, you know, maybe we see a new quarterback under center, you know, maybe, uh, Luke Wysong starts yeah, alongside Keontae Lanier wide receiver. Uh, and then you mentioned the defense, you know, Ronald Wilson looks like he's atop the depth chart rather than Patrick peak at one of the safety positions. um, And then you've still got, you know, you've got other freshmen littered, I think, maybe more so on the two deep than in weeks past. And, you know, given the way things are going, you know, maybe this is the time where you audition a few more guys and see what they can do. Because, you know, a couple of them have popped up and they've done pretty well so far. Like, you know, Aaron Dumas, like he hasn't blown, this he hasn't like blown the field away, but he's been solid. Like he's the team's leading rusher at this point.
2: Yeah, running pretty well.
0: Um, so you know, between him, between guys, you know, Cody Moon had a couple starts at one of the linebacker positions, you know, he had a big interception a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, considering that some of the guys who are sort of on the come-up are are youngsters anyway, like Tavian Combs isn't a freshman, but he's a sophomore. Um, Ray Lutelli is a sophomore, um, you know, Andrew Erickson is a sophomore. So you know, I don't know if it's necessarily waving a white flag on this season but it's i think you know you, you knew this was sort of an extended year one year zero situation yeah. anyway and so you're just kind of you you putting guys out there to just see how well they respond because you know we know we kind of know what Colorado state is at this point like they're they are a very strong defense with an offense that is sort of you know touch and go at times and, and maybe there's no better time than now to start mm-hmm. auditioning more of these guys.
2: Danny Gonzalez isn't going anywhere anytime soon. No. You know I mean? like, no, I mean? because I mean,
0: because uh, I mean, like on, on offense, the Lobos defense is, you know, they're 127th and third and fourth down success rate. They're 124th in, in terms of like, the, uh, or excuse me, 126th in, in EPA per rush. 99th in terms of pass. So, like, honestly, they don't have a lot to lose on that side of the ball. No. It is a little more surprising on defense, though.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: And, and the only reason I say that is because, you know, they, I, I feel like it's sort of a situation where the, I, like we just talked about with San Jose State a little bit ago, like, you know, they aren't necessarily on the same level as the Spartans, but I feel like they've been sort of subject to the same kind of situation. Cause, like, in terms of guards per play on defense so far, the Lobos are actually fifth in the Mountain West you know, 5.08 yards per play. Um, and and in terms of some of the more advanced metrics, like they've been pretty good in, in some respects. Like, you know, the pass rush has been a little iffy. It's like right outside the triple digits, only 5.1 as a team. But, you know, they're they're twenty 25th in line yards per carry allowed. Like they're right around the national average and opportunity rate and power success rate. They're top 25 unit by stuff rate. So, you know, you want to think that maybe this is a situation where, if if the Rams offense kind of sputters in the same way that they have in weeks past, you know we don't know if David Bailey's going to play if he's going to be back to one hundred percent and if he's not, then like you know is or, or Jalen Thomas and Ajon Bivens going to be able to go off again? You know maybe you know is Todd Senteo gonna is he going to take a step back after having probably his best game as a Rams quarterback? Um, you know Dante Wright I, you know he's atop the, the depth chart is he going to play? Uh, and if he does, you know, how is he gonna stretch the field? Things like that. So, I mean, I, I can see a situation where, like, if if the Rams are sluggish on offense, that you know, the defense could allow New Mexico to hang around a little longer than a lot of people might suspect. But it could also be the kind of thing where if they're if they're starting a lot of new bases on that side of the ball. You know, maybe that inexperience is what enables Colorado State to get off to a faster start than they would otherwise. Like, you, you never know, but that's definitely
2: within their own possibility. Yeah, I think so, especially our main defender, true freshman out there. It's like the Rand, this is a chance. Like, if Wright's halfway healthy or healthy enough to kind of get out there, why not? Either get to decide is, is he healthy enough to go out there and play just to get reps, or is he? Not healthy enough, and he shouldn't play because you're gonna win regardless.
0: Yeah, you know, like he, so they, case, re- case in point, like you know, the New Mexico offense is only 122nd nationally in terms of like overall success rate. Mm. Um, but Colorado State, is, even after last week's performance, still just a hundredth on offense. Uh, and so I think you know maybe this is a game that is a little a little sleepier overall than a lot a lot of people might expect. But it could also be like you know if Wright is back to 100. percent um, you know, if Santeo's step forward is a more permanent step forward, then this could be a game that the Rams win in a walk kind of similar to what they did against San Jose State.
2: Hey, I don't think there's any way the Lobos are going to keep pace in this game at all. Like, even if the Rams have a slow start, it's still not going to matter to me. Mm-hmm. Just because Deuce Dumas running run a well. Even Terry Wilson plays maybe, but it's already 10 points and they might even not have these guys playing. I, yeah. what I want to see, like for the Rams, like against like you said, not the slow start. Don't have any, don't kick six freaking field goals and half of them in the red zone. It, it, what they should do is what I want to see is finish drives. If you get close, get a touchdown. Don't have a quarter or two that is just awful, like Vanderbilt for a half or these random games where you have a quarter or two where you don't show up. I want them to have a complete game and just go for the kill and get touchdowns and quit kicking those short field goals, even though it's all points. I'll be fine. But if they're going to maybe, like get to a bowl game or something like they're two and three now they can be three and three they should be but I want to see them go out there and just kind of have a complete game for once and I don't care if it's first versus Mexico it'll help them when they go out and play a little bit tougher teams in the conference because they still gonna play they haven't played Boise State they have the rest of the mountain division they're playing so it's a, this is a game where they can kind of get things together and get going yeah. before they play Utah State. They have they still have Wyoming, they have Air Force they have Nevada. Schedule's not easy the second half and I don't know if it's a bowl game because I mentioned when They did the um, kind of like the overreaction, like slow down on the Rams, like not to be all pissy about them and be a downer, but they may only win one or two more games this year. Yeah, and this is one of those I think for sure because could it be Utah State? Maybe it's on the road. Could it be Hawaii? It's on the road. Maybe I don't know. Besides that, I don't see any of the really winnable games. They might get four wins, but this is a game where if they're going to attempt to do that, play well versus New Mexico and get things rolling, save save confidence going to Utah State, who's kind of an up or down team at the moment.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll see.
2: So, I need I need to go through. I was going I was going to get my pick first because I've been having you do it, but I'm going to pull up their doc of what I picked. So, because I, I don't recall i them covering not the Rams, but uh, go through the advanced numbers real quick while I do that to see what they're kind of thinking. Why All right, uh,
0: so FBI likes the Rams pretty comfortably. They favor them by 12.7. Uh, SP Plus also, I believe. Where are they at? They're on the next image. They also like Colorado State, not by like quite okay. as much, but you know, still six point three. That's a sixty-four percent win probability. And uh, through Parker Fleming's advanced stats preview, eighty um, percent win probability for Colorado State with a projected margin of roughly twenty-six to fourteen.
2: Okay, all right. I'm making a change to my picks. I did have New Mexico covering. I think I put that in before I saw those tweets about who's playing, who's not playing. So I'm gonna go. Oh, what's your score? Sorry, I was gonna I stepped on the overview. What's your score gonna be?
0: I think the Rams are probably gonna walk away with a pretty comfortable win in this one. Uh I've got them winning 28 to 7.
2: Okay. I think uh basically you you and me are thinking too much like us to get some more thing, but I will go, I think it'll be 31-10. I All think right it'll then. actually be decent the points. I still take the under at 45 points, 31 to 10. Oh, also, we mentioned this game's on stadium as well. So it's streaming this weekend. So I had to watch stadium.com to figure this one out at 5 p.m. local kick. All right. Next game is uh, Utah State going to UNLV, CBS Sports Network, 4 p.m. Uh, local time at Allegiant Stadium. Aggie's seven point favorite. And Matt, this is uh, projected to be the most the biggest shootout of the week again, 62 and a half points. Does this seem fishy to you that Utah state and UNLV can get to that many points? Maybe.
0: No, no, I can see it.
2: What? You think UNLV can, can carry their share of points.
0: I mean, they've they scored 30 against Fresno a couple of weeks ago.
2: They did. They've been pretty close to the best teams in the conference recently. So there's that, right? Yeah. And, and
0: the other, the other thing, The other very major thing, which I I feel like I keep harping on it every time we talk about the Aggies, the defense bends. (laughs) Which (laughs) you know, like, like you know, you know, he's not like necessarily in the mood for any more moral victories. But and so I look at this matchup and I think, you know, if if there's ever a prime opportunity to start stealing wins, like it's this weekend, because because the Aggies defense bends a lot and UNLV has shown a lot of improvement on the offensive side of the ball. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's not, I don't know if it's necessarily outside of the, you know, rather far fetched to say that the Aggies could be on upset alert.
2: You think so? Really? Yeah. Hmm. Because I guess the defense is like silly putty; it kind of bends, goes, and goes, and goes, and goes. Um, one thing we don't know for sure in depth chart for UNLV offense, sticking there, whatever that defense because they gave up forty-five to Air Force or mm-hmm. whatever it was. But is it Doug Brumfield or Cameron Friel? I don't. You might be honest. I don't know if it matters because Friel in replacement for Brumfield, the past couple weeks has been doing quite well. Like a yeah, he's ball. he's looked
0: he's looked more comfortable, and like he had a couple of big kind of killer mistakes against UTSA a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago.
2: Yeah. But
0: other than that, you know, you take a step back and he threw for basically 300 yards. You know, spreading the ball around. You know, like UNLV wasn't the most disciplined team, and I think you know if if there's one thing that Utah State has on, on UNLV in particular, it's the fact that you know, I don't know, I mean. I would say that neither team necessarily possesses an elite pass rush, you know, in terms of like overall yeah. sack rate, um, you know, UNLV has a 3.1% sack rate, which is 120th nationally. Utah State is not much better. It's only 4.8, but on offense, you know, there's a tremendous difference where UNLV has really struggled to protect whoever's under center. You know, they have, their, their team sack rate on offense is 15.8%. 126 national, so basically one of every six times a UNLV quarterback is going back to, to throw, he gets taken down. Um, by contrast, Utah State, you know, even though both quarterbacks have been sort of uneven, um, they're still you know 4.3% sack rate allowed, and I think you know that is the tremendous difference in this game where you know I can see both quarterbacks maybe making plays. But it's sort of a bigger challenge for UNLV to keep whoever is doing throwing upright.
2: Would it be safe to say that if Charles Williams was playing better, that that might not be happening as often? Maybe, maybe, I maybe. Say yes, <laughs> no. Why maybe? I think it's a yes.
0: I mean, because I, I think that I think that you you could probably stay balanced in this game. I don't think they necessarily need to you know lean on the running game or or. or or force quarterback to throw like 40 times in order to stay in this game. Hmm.
2: I don't know. It, I think they need Williams to run because he's one of the better running backs and hasn't done very well this year, relatively speaking, what he should be doing, right?
0: I mean, you, you know what they need to do is they need to Winning find – they need to find ways to move the chains on third downs because, you know, if there's yeah. if there's one area where Utah State has a substantial advantage – it's in it's in it's in the fact that the Aggies have converted forty five percent of their third down tries, uh, and UNLV has converted under thirty percent.
2: So move any way possible. So whether it's Williams or passing or whoever's in quarterback, Friel Brumfield or even I'm reading something Las Vegas on Tate Martell benefited from rest as the other quarterbacks did as well. It's always mm-hmm. a chuckle when you see the uh, below deck star as a third street quarterback. And he mentioned, yeah. <laughs> um so what it like what can you is it just that they the off week was good they you know he's been close you're at like utsa was they almost beat them they almost beat fresno state they're getting close it does it i don't think it matters he's quarterback i probably lean a little more brumfield but frills looked good enough as a freshman playing good excuse me played his ability to find his receivers and get it moving the ball Enough, but you're right. That percentage on third down is ridiculously low. They need to. Maybe the off week it'll get them going, but they 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 if they're gonna break through, this is a better team because Utah State's not as good as UTSA or Fresno State. Mm-hmm. And Utah State's get like I said, give up points. Defense is just okay. Who they have? Well, they get some players obviously, but they allow all the yards essentially. <laughs> they let all the yards come through, and. I, well, I just, I'm just not comfortable picking UNLV to do that. That's the problem. Like maybe they can do it, but well, I'm just not comfortable or confident enough to go with them.
0: Well, here's the other thing though. How healthy is Logan Bonner coming out of the bye week
2: Who knows? Blake Anderson doesn't say anything. It's annoying. So,
0: because, you know, his, his status is sort of up in the air, um, you know, and, and maybe more importantly, as we've learned from other teams in the conference, you know, their center Falapulealo also up in the air, you know he's he's still listed on the two deep, but he's not the, he's not the starter anymore. He got hurt a couple of weeks ago, and they had to slide over Dimitri Alifua from the guard position to kind of take over. And we've learned like what that can do for the functionality of an offense. Um, you know, is is he healthy? Is, you know, and, and so I think they've got some questions. Like, is, is Calvin Tyler Junior healthy? Because he got banged up against BYU a couple weeks ago. And I think yeah. you know taking all of that into account, which is not to say that UNLV doesn't have its own injury issues. You know, we just talked about it with with the kind of the revolving door quarterback, but that could be one of those things where, if if you if if Utah State gets off to another slow start, you know that could be another one of those things that allows UNLV to hang around.
2: So, what Blake Anderson officially said on his coach, I think it's his coaches show or something here in Salt Lake, um, no structural damage. He's just sore, and bye week did him all the good. So, what a sprained knee or something—I don't know. Like that's all he's going to give anybody. So, whatever that means, take that with whatever you want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it seems like he's going to play because I don't think he would say he's not going to play. There was no real mention of Andrew Peasley too much, and he's been all right. But I still think like here's the thing: they had to the bet one of the uh, what top two receivers in the conference. Evan Tomp- Tompkins is up there. Like he's one of the best receivers in the league. Kim and Jalen Cropper. You have Kelvin Tyler Jr. for before the BYU game was leading the conference in rushing. So they have weapons on offense, and so it just depends. They that's why I'm still going to lean Utah State pretty heavy, even though Utah State did, or UNLV did, which may be coming around to that point total being this might be first to forty to win possibly, or thirty five or something like that. But I we tra- I mean, look at an overall picture. Like, what does UNLV's defense have to go up against these these weapons? Even regardless of his quarterback, I don't think it's going to be that big of a drop off for Peasley or Bonner, maybe a little bit, because Peas is getting obviously the majority, excuse me, Bonner's been getting the overwhelming majority of the reps throughout the year when they were playing kind of that foot C2 quarterback system back and forth. But I didn't get to Kobe Whitman, but what else does UNLV really have to stop anything Utah State does?
0: That's a good question. And I think and I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, just in sort of looking at their depth chart, whether Marcus Arroyo is thinking along the same lines as Danny Gonzalez, as far as auditioning some of the younger guys to give them more playing time. You know, like, for example, Brendan Scott got his first start um, last week, I think, because Adam Plant was injured, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's, he got a start. Um, you know, he was a very highly regarded recruit from, uh, I believe, last year's recruiting class, if I'm not mistaken. But when you look at their depth chart, you know you start to see more freshmen kind of lining up and maybe taking on bigger roles. You know we've seen you know Cameron Oliver make some plays here and there as cornerback. You know LaShawn Bell looks like he's the backup at you know the Sam position. Um, you know Waisale Muavese is backing up at, at one of the defensive end positions now. And the, you know that same holds true on on offense as well. Like I think you might see some more young offensive linemen in particular. But I think it's, you know, it's a sort of an open ended question is, you know, we've seen them stiffen up a little bit in the last couple of weeks. But again, like who, who really knows what you're going to get at this point?
2: Yeah. That's the thing where it's like, we don't know of the young guys. Cause we've met, we talked about this a lot during the off season throughout the year, preview shows. Like they've been recruiting quite well, relatively speaking. And so maybe it is a chance to get these other guys out there to see what you have. It sounds like wouldn't, wouldn't Jacoby there? And they're starting young quarterbacks. So like maybe that's what they do. And it's kind of a, not an audition because last year it's like, whatever you played a handful of games, it's not going to count against them. I know the big issue, like UNLV new AD in town, but I don't think they're going to get whenever that's hired, hires is made. They're not going to get rid of the coach after two years. They don't have the money to get rid of the coach after two mm-hmm. years. So I don't think he's in danger of losing his job anytime soon, despite not winning the game in what two two years essentially. It's been a while since Rebels have won a game. Um, wait, did they win a game last year? Or were they no one? Have they? Okay. So unfortunately, I'm sorry to bring that up. Arroyo's winless as a head coach. But I'm assuming that wouldn't make a difference, whoever the new AD is like, well, we'll give him only like, two and a half years. Like he's gonna be here for next year, the year after I could see maybe in year four, even with the COVID years, like, well, maybe we can move on or think about it with a new ad but i don't think there's an issue this year or next year but so do what you can if you have a good recruiting class that you've had the past two, two cycles i guess or see what you have there and go with those guys and take your lumps down but give them six games or maybe work it in where or maybe he's going to do kind of what dana holgerson did at houston a little while years ago which was crazy but maybe paying off where only play four games if you're conjecture and then save that for a year later so mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's his plan. Where he's starting these new guys now to give them playing time here or there. I don't have the duck box scores or of the guys or game status of who he's bringing in or playing more or starting. But maybe that's an option. Like, okay, I'll give you a game here or there where you could you still get a decent amount of playing time, but you don't lose your also. You can still shirt if needed down the road for whether it be injury sake or maybe you do really need a shirt next year. But you got all these game times in first year, mm-hmm. so. Or not my mistake. No, he could use the four games and use the Richard. My apologies. That's what it is, Yeah, where he could play those games and not lose you. That's what I meant to get get around the same. Maybe, he, maybe that's the strategy he's taking where, because I don't know, but there's options and he's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. So that's why they're not going to, I don't think they're going to win, but it's a thing where you're right, Matt, just try whatever he can. Like, let's see what we have.
0: Well, and here's and one. Here's one more thing that I, I have no idea what kind of factor it could play in this game, but it's just <laughs> it's, it's something. I, it's something I couldn't help but notice. Both of these teams on offense have been like they've been up against it in terms of field position. Like on average, Utah's... have they both
2: played San Diego State? Is that why?
0: <laughs> no, actually, I don't think either of them have. Have they?
2: <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. uh, But no, like,
0: you know, but like to just kind of expand upon that for a minute, like in terms of average starting field position on offense, Utah state dead last in the country. They're starting at their own 21.4 yard line. Um, UNLV not much better. 124th nationally. They're starting at their own 24 yard line. And so I wonder like how that is going to play out in a game like this, like which, you know, which special teams could, you know, swing this one way or into the other, or, you know, is which quarterback could make the killer mistake that sets up the other team with a short field. And, and, and if, if that happens, you know, it's not like either of these teams have been great about converting red zone opportunities either. Like they're, they're ninth and 10th in the, in the conference in terms of turning red zone opportunities into touchdowns. So, you know, there's a lot of wiggle room where this game could play out one way or another, but you sort of think, all things considered, if they you know if they come out firing on all cylinders, then this could be this could you know definitely hit the over pretty early. I think
2: more than was it sixty two? Is that what you're telling me?
0: Probably, yeah.
2: They did put up thirty versus Fresno, so that's a good good points. I don't know, man. It's, it's it just seems a lot for two teams where, like, what offense? You, I trust Utah State's offense way more than and be. But then again, Utah State's defense is not amazing. Like you said, you give up all the yards. Um, This is a weird way to talk about a game where I'm not really confident in either team, but I do think Utah State's much better. Okay. Which is weird to say. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of what we're saying. Both these teams have a lot of flaws in them. UNLV just has more flaws and more than Utah State. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to say, let me see my pick here because I could change my doc if I need to, but. Utah State's going to win, and they're going to cover. I don't think. I still think sixty-two and a half is too much. I think they're going to win thirty-five to seventeen. Utah State would comfortably.
0: Okay, so uh, so FEI likes Utah State, though maybe not by as much as you might expect. Uh, they favor them by seven point six. SP Plus also likes Utah State. Uh, where are they at? Uh, by two point four. So a little bit closer, 56% win probability. And uh, Parker Fleming has them with a 76% win probability, a final margin of roughly 40 to 30.
2: Cool. Okay. What do you say? So what do you got?
0: Utah State's going to have to earn this one.
2: Oh, you think so? Not an easy victory?
0: No. I think UNLV is going to cover, what? But, I th- but I think the Aggies will escape. I'm trying to scroll. I'm trying to scroll down in the article that I wrote because <laughs> uh, I, I, I like to be I like to be consistent from my writing to my podcasting. So I have Utah State winning 38-35.
2: Okay. That's why I was wondering. I didn't say, like, let me make my pick, but I can still change the that Well, maybe my time to listen, if it's posted, it should be the uh, weekly picks. But so you say a field goal victory for the Aggies? Yeah. All right, next game is another really, really, really good game, which might be game one B of the week. Depends what you one A, depending on what you think of Wyoming first. know or where your allegiances lie. FS one, seven p.m. Mountain Time, six Pacific. Boise State hosting Air Force. FS one, Broncos are a three and a half point favorites, and. Is this year Air Force finally gets it done? Well, actually it's a close game, but it's not always a close game, really. It kind of is, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's always a hassle, but Boise wins, like, by 10 points, maybe, or 8 to 10 points. I will say this. Our buddy um, Eric he put out, Eric put out his preview. I'll give you his score prediction now because he always gives us crap to the DMs on Twitter all the time about this game. I'll just say it right now. Clearly, he's a Boise State guy. He puts 46-33. A lot of points, a 13-point victory. Ah, oh, okay. Um, yeah, see, <laughs> that's a, kind of intriguing here. And also, to be, on my end here, I'm like, well, I picked against Boise last week and I ate it pretty hard, but I don't – here's my problem. I, one week does not make a trend, and Boise State shutting down U- BYU's uh, rushing attack with Tyler Aguirre and Jared Hall not fully healthy because they only played like a third of the snaps all week in practice. That rushing attack wasn't at full force. This is a different animal. And I don't think Boise State's gonna be able to stop or slow down enough this Falcons rushing attack. Has he has he Daniels, Brad Roberts? Then they'll get those Micah Davis down the field passing. Like I could see again him going has Sadiq going like like last week, seven of ten for like 130 yards and a touchdown pass.
0: I mean, it's really it's really gonna start up front for Boise State. Like if we're gonna start talking, yeah. you know, Air Force offense yeah. versus Boise State defense. You Mm -hmm. know, Boise State's defense has been, you know, generally pretty strong, but, you know, this, if you look at some of the more advanced numbers, it's sort of all over the place. Um, You know, they're, they're above average in terms of like team sack rate, for instance, but then, but then against a team like Air Force, like how, how well is that going to play or like how much is that going to matter? You know, 7.6 sack rate and, and, and maybe it could, you know, if they, especially if they can get a lead on Air Force and force the Falcons to play from behind. Because the Falcons have a sack rate allowed of ten point four, which is one hundred eighteenth nationally, so I mean they could have an edge there, but then you're still looking at a Falcons, you know, offensive line, a Falcons rushing game where you know even after getting you know held in check more often than not by by Wyoming, they aren't as elite as they were last year, but they're still top thirty in like line yards per carry. They're still top fifty in opportunity rate, power success rate, stuff rate, so they don't get pushed back. But that's not to say that Boise State doesn't have the capacity, the capacity to, you know, take advantage of that, and so it's like I said, it's really going to start up front with that defensive line. It's going to start with those guys like Scott Matlock, like you know, yeah, um, like whoever else they have, <laughs> you know, on the defensive yeah. line right now. I know that they had some injuries too, which have sort of you know sapped their their depth a little bit you know, whether it's, you know, Jackson Cravens in the middle or, you know, someone coming off the edge like Shane Irwin, like the, it's going to be, I don't know that they necessarily need one guy to step up and have a great game, but it just needs to be a group effort in the same way that it was for Wyoming last week, kind of keeping that Air Force ground game in check.
2: Yeah, clearly he's got Cause if Boise wants to do this, it can't, it's, like, it's like the formula for any team you play Air Force. Don't give up big plays. You'll give up yards and don't give up like, Without giving a big plays means like you only give them like six yards of carry. Or yeah, like, like if if
0: they play like they did in the first half against Oklahoma State last month, like that's that's that's, that's 600 the danger yards. zone.
2: Six hundred yards is coming their way in the ground, right? I mean, I'm saying
0: that's the danger zone, but like it's, oh, it's clearly, but it's, yeah. but it's but it's really hard to tell like whether that's going to be the case. But I think you know to that point, you know, it's not necessarily just going to be a matter of stopping them and forcing three and outs which again, easier said than done when you, when you look at overall third down conversion rate. Um, you know, Air Force is, is tied with Utah State. We talked about a minute ago. They've converted, Like the, the, both teams have been really good about converting the third downs on offense. You know, uh, Air Force is 45.5%, Boise State's at 44.5. So both really good. One big difference though, is that Air Force has not been shy about pushing the envelope on fourth downs either. Uh, there are only 3 teams in the FBS that have gone for it on fourth down more often than the Falcons have and they've converted 15 of 19 fourth down tries. Hmm. So I think so I think if if Troy Calhoun and Mike Thiessen find themselves in a situation that they like, you know, let's say it's like fourth and 2 at the Boise State 40, you know they're not going to be shy about lining up and going for it. I think because I think what they're going to look at is they're going to look at a Boise State defense and just dare them to stop the fullback dive or something like that, or dare Why them to stop would, yeah. Zeke Daniels. And I think you know between Roberts, Brad Roberts, and Zeke Daniels, you know those two guys have shouldered the blow more often than not for this Falcons team. But again, you know, we know that's not the only element that they have to this offense this year. They can attack the edges in a way that they didn't really in last year's game. With with Micah Davis and others, and so Mm -hmm.
2: downfield a little bit too.
0: I think you know Air Force could find themselves in a lot of situations where you know they'll feel comfortable, just kind of you know rolling the dice, and so it's the those hands, that handful of plays when they come up. If Boise State can turn them back, you know that's 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 how you potentially win this game. But if they can't, then it could get ugly in a hurry.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be Air Force will do it do it until it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then after maybe one or two tries, like, okay, maybe we'll punt or maybe we'll do something different. But again, that's the thing. I don't trust Boise State at the moment. Like, they may win this game. They could be fine and Hank buck and throw for 360 yards. You know what I mean? Like, that's a real possibility to Khalil Shakir. But this Air Force defense is no slouch either. Like, they have a lot of good guys out there who can stop the passing game, who could, do stop this. But then it also, like, not to jump around, but the line, same offensive line. If it's the same group again, that's helpful for Bo- Boise State because that's kind of what they did last week versus BYU. The running game was better, but it wasn't good. Like It was fine. Enough even without George Tawani playing. They moved it just enough. And when they got short and when they won the turnover battle with the stripping the ball of K- the Pina Katoan special teams or the punching the ball from Tyler O'Gier, that was good short fields. but the offense like Hank Bacomar didn't have a great game last week running game was good enough and maybe it only needs to be good enough for air force, but it just can't be bad. And that's where I think it comes as well for both parts of the line, like their defense stopping air force, but then the offensive line, the center exchange have been in issues. There's, I think one, maybe two last week weather, a little bit involved with the rain, but the reason I felt they won last week, part of it, because the offensive line, despite it being their fourth different unit was the same one from week to week. And so that's going to carry some weight, but it's also going to come back to the running game. But can they run the ball with whoever's in the backfield? And Mm -hmm. last week was slightly better, but not enough to give me any confidence saying, yeah, they're going to run the ball well against the Air Force team.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's maybe the more significant challenge is that Air Force has been awesome on defense too.
2: Yeah. Um, Outside of Utah state, they've been really good.
0: Yeah. I mean like the one rub, which is sort of weird is that Air Force on defense has given up a 100% power success rate. So every single time, every single time a, a, a team has been in a short yardage power running situation, they've allowed a first down or a touchdown, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I would imagine maybe that hasn't happened a lot. But, you know, to your point is if they're going to survive, like, I, you know, maybe you want more out of Cyrus, maybe like he or Andrew Van Buren or whoever ends up getting honestly, I would just go back and I would say the same thing I said last week, like let Hawk, Hank Bachmeyer win the game for you and and sort of, you know, maybe navigate this Air Force pass rush as best as you can, which, you know, that I think is maybe the more critical juncture. You know, the Falcons, you know, have a top 10 sack rate, basically, you know, they're, they're, they're 11th nationally, their team sack rate is over 10%. And, and as we all know, Boise State's ability to protect the passer is uh is shaky that's well documented you know they didn't have much a problem with byu last week um but again you know byu doesn't necessarily have that same caliber of pass rush that air force does and it's not just one guy doing the job for the falcons either like you know vince sanford is a guy who's really come on strong in the last couple of, uh last couple of games but, you know, the Air Force is, is like I said, it's more of a team effort. Like we just talked about with San Diego State earlier, like we talked about with, oh, yeah. you know, other teams. It's it's going to be a really tall task for for Boise State to keep Bachmeier upright. But I think, you know, if they can, that's how you beat Air Force, which, again, easier said than done, because in terms of, like, expected points added, in terms of, like, you know, success, you know defensive success rate, you know, the Falcons are above average by pretty much – Every metric, however you want to slice it. Like they, you know, their opponent's passer completion rate is right around 50%. You know, they they get their hands on footballs, they create turnovers. It's it's, it's gonna be a tough road. I'm not gonna say it's impossible for Boise State to win this game, but they're definitely gonna to have to work for it. And I think it's gonna start by just you know making plays through the air.
2: How shocked for, I'm gonna change subject really quick. I like your analysis, I'm just looking. at perusing the Idaho Statesman during that, but you make amazing points. Would you be shocked that they predict Boise State to win by 11 points?
0: Uh, I would not.
2: Because <laughs> I like this first part, my my pick. This is a dangerous game for Boise State. The triple option is tough to prepare for because there aren't many teams that run it, blah, blah, blah. The, they have the occasional wide-open receiver downfield. Boise still wins 35-24. Because <laughs> it, it's funny, it's like – oh my gosh this is so close. if neither plays, this game could go a very different way but whatever running game i should say but he goes but i think the heart and grit boise State showed last week at byu will carry over broncos will not only win but cover and win by 11 points oh my gosh
0: it's not like, the it's not the grit that carried them last week it was the turnovers
2: yeah it's like the plus four like cyrus habib Liko is injured he may not play it's like what if he doesn't play. George and, like, and
0: and with that in like, mind, you know, another thing that both of these teams have in common which it's it's really hard to predict how it could be an influence, but both of these teams are really good about creating turnovers or at least creating the opportunity for turnovers. And I look at yeah. forced I look at forced fumbles in particular. Boise State has 9 in 6 games, Air Force has yeah. 7. Both of those are above average in the conference. And while it's like I said, fumble luck is impossible to predict from week to week you know, that was something that Boise benefited a lot from
2: last, last week. week. Yeah. And, and so he just punched kind of, one out and one just dropped like the return.
0: And just kind of like in, just general, bo- in general, but in general, both of these teams have generated, you know, they've generated a lot of opportunities. The Broncos have yeah. benefited from a little more luck, you know, the eight of 11 fumble recoveries, air yeah. force only has five of 11 fumble recoveries. And so I think, you know, if both of those teams have the ability to punch the ball out, then, you know, anything that happens once the ball is on the, on the, Blue turf, anything goes, and that you know the you know whenever that happens, that one or two times maybe, you know that could be you know potentially giant pivot points for for either side.
2: So is that the difference? Like whoever gets the freaking turnovers, you think it might be like even, but four for three or four for each.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it honestly, I think if Boise State's going to win. They they're going to have to win the turnover battle again because they're going to have to create short fields. Because Air Force is, you know, they don't give up, you know, the long drives really.
2: That's part of it too. Like, if it's here's the thing: what's bad for Boise State if they're going to win? Like, Air Force holds the ball forever. So if they if they win the turnover margin and hold the ball, you're you're dead. You know what I mean? Like, there's two possessions. You're basically there's nothing you can do about it unless the defense steps up and stops them. Which I don't know if they Boise's defense. Yeah, because I mean, in terms
0: of in terms of like points per drive allowed, both of these teams there's not a lot of separation between them. You know, Boise State is 39th nationally, 1.84 points per drive allowed. Uh, Air Force is 27th, you know, 1.63. But the difference is, is like, you know, when the Falcons are on offense, they're basically top 10 and Boise is, is, is not even in the top 50. Yeah. Which is, which is not to say that they can't remedy that in a week, but I think it's going to depend a lot on their ability to create short fields.
2: So how's it going to play out? Like wh- who has the biggest advantage? Is it, my opinion, it's all, almost always this game or Air Force rushing attack. I think what what does Boise do better than Air Force? Is it passing, I guess, just because the volume and what Hank Bachmar can do?
0: I think so. Yeah.
2: Is that enough to get the win though? Because I think Air Force is here's my point. Air Force's defense is more equipped to stop that passing game compared to Boise rush defense.
0: Yeah, it's really hard to say. Cause I mean, there, there's a lot of areas where they're where they're basically even.
2: Hmm. so what's the, what's the main number say because i'm curious about this one
0: so they may not be much help um boise state is favored by fei by 0. 0.7 points oh boy um sp plus also likes boise state by just 1.7 which is a 54 percent win probability and uh parker fleming with his advanced stats preview Um, A little more clarity. They favor the Broncos by, you know, 62% roughly, which they, with a projected margin of 26 to
2: 22. What do you think?
0: (sighs) I don't really want to, but I think Boise State's going to win this game. (laughs) It just strikes me as the kind of game that they're going to win ugly.
2: They're at home. That helps.
0: I mean, honestly, I don't know if that's helped a lot this year. I'm
2: true, sure. but I think so, if they, I think know, if they're, they're I think
0: if they're going to do it, they're going to do it by winning the turnover battle and doing just enough with short fields to keep Air Force at, at arm's length. And that's that's sort of what I envision seeing. Um, what your score?
2: What do
0: you got? Uh, I've got them winning twenty four to twenty three.
2: I'm doing it. I don't care. Air, when I when you look at these two teams, Air Force is clearly the better team. Like. I'm going to, I'm going to, if I lose again on this, because Boise comes out beats him by 15, whatever. But when you see what they played, how they played, like Air Force is the better team. Boise has inconsistent second halves. They have bad rushing defense at times. The rushing game with two injured start running backs, so like how they gonna run the ball against Air Force defense. They're not going to be able to. And if the offensive line can't protect Bacomar, there's no way they're going to win. Like if the running game is poor, but Bacomar stays upright, and it's not hit or sacked too many times. I'll give him a chance, but I'm going to Air Force to win 28 to 21. All right then. Doing it. So you can call me out. Eric, Colin, I don't care. Raj, come after me again. Because I say I've been saying the past couple weeks Air Force is gonna win So, so you're, so
0: you're saying it, that you're saying the bill is coming due.
2: Yeah, final. Eventually gonna be right, correct?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just I keep saying bet against Boise at your own risk.
2: Hey, back to back weeks. I'm doing it. That's fine. All right, final game. All right, fi- Final game, Hawaii at Nevada, CBS Sports Network, 14. Home favorite, 730 Pacific. Um, Matt, are you aware that Hawaii's won this game two, two years in a row? I am. Is it going to be three years in a row? You don't need <laughs> the answer now, but I'm just saying <laughs> to give it away at the beginning.
0: They've won in vastly different ways over the last two years, too, which, last is, year, which is fascinating to me.
2: Last year was amazing. Defensive effort. That's why I'm so frustrated freaking with, with Hawaii. Excuse me. Like I figured, ah, oh, Dylan Cruz, he's got it. Their, their defense is going to stop everybody. He knows what he's doing. Not that he's bad, but it's like that Nevada game maybe skewed my vision of him, <laughs> what he could do. Because last year was brilliant. Carson Strong was still very efficient, but Romeo Dubs couldn't do anything last year. They're like, fine, Cole Turner, you get it here. Short pass. That's all. That's all we're giving you. So that was an interesting thing last last year what they did. But Hawaii, it's there's. Remember, Hawaii still has a backup quarterback because Chavon Cordero was not healthy.
0: I thought I saw something where both of those guys might play this week
2: oh maybe i didn't see i ooh, let's double check um because i do remember seeing the injury was a 10 to 30 day injury they said <laughs> that that is them? a
0: very wide range of possibilities
2: <laughs> so, so wide um maybe i need double check maybe i, I they are listed
0: they it. are listed with an or on the depth chart
2: okay maybe they'll both play um i'd rather shave on shave on playing right
0: I mean, I, I I I mean I guess generally I would say yes, but I I don't know that that's necessarily fair to Braden Shager, who mm. you know he, he did okay considering it was his first start against an, a nationally ranked team. Yeah. But and I think yeah, but I think the but I think the bigger key is whether or not you know Hawaii's improvements over the last few weeks, how well they're gonna hold up against a Nevada defense that you know, we saw them put on a very strong performance last week against New Mexico state, but you know, Hawaii is exactly the kind of team where, you know, even if they aren't necessarily the same team as two years ago, even if they aren't exactly the same team as you know, it's, you know, Hawaii is like the thorn in the side that could eventually do Nevada in again. And I say that because of the running game in particular, like it's not necessarily one that blows you away but over the last couple of weeks, you could make a case that the Warriors have really started to put it together on the ground. You know, Day Day Hunter went over hundred yards. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago against the Bulldogs, uh, you know, between he and Dedrick Parson, they're starting to get more effective. You know, they, in their own victory uh, against the New Mexico State Aggies uh, three weeks ago, they averaged over six and a half yards per carry. Against the Bulldogs, they were over five yards carry as a team. And so I look at that and I look at Nevada's rush defense and I say, yeah, okay, they, they did a really good job against a, a very limited Boise front and they did a really good job against a, 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 a very hamstrung New Mexico state offense that was always going to be more pass first anyway. Now they got to try to do it again against a Warriors running game that seems to have found its footing. And so I, I wonder like if the starting quarterback is perhaps a little bit immaterial you know, because if Siobhan Cordero plays, is he gonna be hundred percent healthy? Is he gonna be able to contribute with his legs in the way that we're accustomed yeah. to seeing? Is he gonna be able to extend the so plays if they need him to throw down the field? Great. Or or are they gonna play it safe and just go with Shager again? And so I, I wonder about that because you know, it's sort of it's one of those things where it's like, it's not the flashiest running game. Like it's, it's not like an elite running game in the same way that we talked about earlier with like, you know, an air force or or like a Wyoming or something like that, but they've shown a lot of improvement. And, and if they're an average running game, an average running game might be able to beat this full packs defense if they're not ready for it. Hmm. And, and here, here's why, you know, we talked about, we talked about some disparities as far as like, you know, defensive metrics before, um, Case in point, the Wolfpack have a top ten sack rate, ten point seven percent overall, tenth in the country. Um, by almost every single other metric that I've mentioned multiple times on this show so far, triple yeah. digits. Ooh, yeah, hundred and fifth by line yards per carry allowed, hundred um, and fourteenth by opportunity rate, hundred and tenth by power success rate, hundred and twenty first by stuff rate. Okay. So, so th- you know, to me. That seems like a potential red flag. If Hawaii, can think? Contr- <laughs> if Hawaii can control the clock with 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 Hunter, with Parson, and with Calvin Turner, you know they may not necessarily need to stretch the field in order to be able to play the game that they want to.
2: It's mm, I, it'll be interesting to see if they can handle and do that. I don't know. That's the thing mm-hmm. because it comes back to a lot of different areas. Like they have talent there, but quarterback kind of leads the way a little bit what they're going to do. Because they have it like Hunter and Turner, maybe they'll give him more carries to let the load off the QB, but.
0: Yeah. Shaker is, I mean, Shager is definitely an unknown because what we started to see before yeah. Cordero got hurt is, you know, the first couple of weeks, they didn't really have a downfield element to the offense.
2: No, which is surprising for what we thought we'd see with the Todd Graham and everything.
0: And then, but then they started discovering it with, with guys like, you know, Nick Mardner in particular was the guy who really stood mm-hmm. out and, um, And so I think if Cordero is back, you know, I I would assume that they will try to reestablish that, which, you know, if they end up turning to Shager and he plays the majority or all of the game, that's one of those big unknowns where like, if they can't reestablish that with a new quarterback on our center, then, you know, maybe that allows Nevada to tee off on the true freshman and maybe the true freshman makes mistakes, um,
2: And Don Peterson chasing him down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe they, maybe they force a fumble that goes in and, and, you know, create sets up Nevada with a short field or something like that. Really hard to predict. Obviously we won't know until the game gets underway, but that's one of those things that I would keep an eye on for sure.
2: That's why I think it's weird the over under 61 with Hawaii's quarterback uncertainty and their offense have been just okay. Like, running game, we know it hasn't been very good. Cordero's, like, one of the leading rushers on the team. That's not good. That's, like, one of the preseason things we mentioned. He can't be running as much. Because, yes, they scored – they haven't been scoring a ton of points. Like, only 27 versus Fresno. I don't care about the Mexico State, 41 points. Like, 49 versus Portland, that's FCS team. Their offense – I don't know why it's that high of points. Are they expecting Nevada's defense to be that bad? Because I think – here's what I think is going to happen. Like Nevada knew what happened last year. They're kind of probably embarrassed a little bit that they couldn't do as well as they did last year, particularly losing. So I think they're going to get things going and do a different type of game plan. It's like, we're going to beat Hawaii. We're not going to allow them to do this. or that's to let us throw stupid five-yard passes every time. I think they're going to actually push it against them and make things happen and score and push the ball. Mm-hmm. Maybe they run a bit more to He needs to have a good game. Cause that's kind of a helps him out quite a bit when he doesn't play well, like, like the Kansas State game, that's a problem.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna, I was gonna point to the Kansas State game as like you know, if Hawaii wants to emulate anything, you know, yeah. they they don't necessarily have a Deuce phone on the roster, but they've got a three headed running game that could very easily do the same kind of thing that the Wildcats did to yeah. them.
2: I don't know if it's that good though. That's the thing. Like Diddy Hunter and stuff, maybe Calvin Turner. There, there's enough options to maybe do a do do enough. But I don't think it'll be do what Kansas State did, but there's. Opportunities for different styles of runners to mix it up a little bit, maybe. Leave that well, out the lookout,
0: and and here's the other thing, in this game. Uh, that that Hawaii defense isn't much different than it was at la, la, this time last year, either. True. Sure. And so so to me that that's like the other potential red flag, is you know had, did what did Carson Strong learn from you know that game last year where he, they basically fell right into Victor Santa Cruz's plans.
2: I don't know if it's and, him, but the coaching, the play call—they're never going deep last year. It's always crossing routes across the middle of the field to tight end and short stuff. They were never—they didn't challenge downfield. I think they have to at least try to do that. Yeah, to make and so and so,
0: and so I look at Hawaii and like you—it's know, another one of those things where I don't know if it's necessarily improved as much as the running game has improved over the last few weeks, but they have started to generate a little more of a pass rush in recent weeks too. You know, they had two against San Jose—they had two sacks against San Jose State four against New Mexico state, three against Fresno state. And while it hasn't necessarily been like, you know, one guy, like, we, but like we've like talked about with other teams, you know, they yeah. finally, finally started to get some disruption up front. You know, Jonah Laulu seems like he's starting to put it together. He leads the team with Corey Bethley with three sacks, you know, yeah. Ote Baker has two and a half sacks. And so that in itself, like, it's like, honestly, it's still below average compared to the, the rest of the country. Like it's still in the triple digits, but you know, maybe it makes a little bit of noise. You know, maybe it forces Carson strong into one or two bad throws and against the secondary that, that has proven no less effective at just getting their hands on the football. You know, this is still a defense that, you know, is number one tied for first in the conference and in interceptions. You know, they and Boise state both have eight picks. Um, they're also number two in terms of passes broken up. And so, you know, obviously Cortez Davis is the big name, but Corey Bethley is having his breakout party as we speak. Um, And, and and those aren't the only guys, like everybody is playing up. Like Eugene Ford's having a really good year. Cameron Lockridge is having a really good year. And so, you know, we, it's, it's just sort of hard to predict. Like you want to say that like Nevada is going to, you know, hold serve at home and walk all over this defense but you know that secondary is a really good secondary, and maybe they do frustrate him again and allow the offense to hang around and find ways to make plays.
2: Maybe I don't. It's just from last year. It's interesting and weird. I think Nevada's going to push it against them. So, what are the advanced numbers saying in this particular matchup? Okay, a fourteen point line by Vegas.
0: Okay, so FBI likes the Wolfpack. They favor Nevada by ten point nine points. Okay. Um SP Plus also favors the Wolfpack by 9.3, which is a 71% win probability. Uh and Parker Fleming's advanced status preview uh sees this one pretty clearly in favor of Nevada. 93% win probability, 94% if you want to round up, with a projected margin of roughly 36 to 14.
2: I see your pick and I'm intrigued. What why what's up with your pick here? Tell me what you're doing. This, this
0: is my stupid upset pick.
2: <laughs> it doesn't While <wow. laughs> i think
0: hawaii's gonna do it
2: Th- three in a row i think so why give a quick we already discussed but give your elevator pitch of why they're gonna get it done
0: because i think the, i think the running game will be good enough to keep the nevada Wolfpack's air raid offense off the field just enough and even if they don't necessarily generate a huge pass rush I think the secondary is more than enough to, you know, force or maybe bait Carson Strong into mistakes, even if it's like not on forced errors. You know, maybe they secure a tip drill interception that sets them up at midfield or something like that, or, okay. you know, stunts a, a red zone opportunity or something like that. Like it's, it's a great secondary
2: yeah.
0: that I think is, is something that Nevada hasn't really faced a lot of this year. Like they were able to beat Boise. I just don't know if they're going to be able to beat this secondary as well. So I think it's going to be a close game, but I've got the Warriors winning 28 to 24.
2: See, if this result happens, a five and three West division champ is in, on track. Yeah. <laughs> Cause San Diego state's currently undefeated. And if this were to happen, there would be, they'd be the only undefeated team in the West division. Everybody would have a single loss at least one loss, like with uh, Hawaii with now uh, Nevada, if they don't win, I am going to take Nevada to end the losing streak. I don't think they'll cover because I think you're at right, the secondary is good enough. in the way the defense played against them last year, I think it's going to be like i thir- I'll go 31-23 for Hawaii. Or excuse me for Nevada. 31-23 Nevada to get the win. A decent amount of points, but not a lot of points. All right then. Anything else we need to add here before you need to log off and scream into the void about what happened?
0: Oh God. It, don't let's 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 just not talk about
2: that. You know,
0: honestly, honestly, we recorded a podcast um, five years ago when the Giants and the Cubs were playing Game Four of the National League Division Series. They lost that too. I think I'm. Just, I think I'm just oh, gonna have boy. to make a policy where I'm, I don't record a podcast during Giants playoff games
2: anymore. That, that's fine. That's fair. We can adjust. <laughs> just, Especially uh, elimination games. Yeah. There you go. All right. So we'll wrap it up here. Mwr.com. Check it out podcast um go subscribe give give us a good review give us a good rating to, and tell matt how he feels like we're sorry about tonight if you want to give a good review um check out all of our previews we got games over the weekend all we got all twelve game teams six conference games so we'll be back next week uh actually not not next week i want to talk about sunday to recap the first full week of conference games so we'll see you next time folks